Must be Thursday. Could never get the hang of Thursdays. Good morning. Welcome to episode 82 of Effectively Wild. 83. No. Yes. Thursday. That's right, because it's Wednesday, but we're yes, celebrating we're... <laughs> on Thursday. Right. Uh, all right, so this is episode 83 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. This is the long-awaited <laughs> Email Wednesday episode mm-hmm. on Thursday. Um, so we've got a few questions that we're going to answer. We thank you very much uh, for all the ideas that uh, – we got some of which we'll use some of which we won't because this is a 14 to 22 minute show um but some very fun ones and so we'll do them so um the i'm going to start with the one that we just got a few minutes ago actually because uh it's so timely uh james uh friend of the show james you're all friends of our show uh friend of the show james writes hello in the wake of the big trade uh there's an obvious question uh, who will win more games in 2013, the Marlins or the Astros? James uh, lays out some of his reasoning, which is that, um, well, he goes through some numbers. The Marlins had a 14-game head start on the Astros, but the Marlins have done a lot more work to get worse this offseason. Um, and the Astros are also changing divisions in a most uh, disadvantageous way. Um, so he decides that the Marlins will win more in 2013, but it is a close call. Ben, who will win more games in 2013? I agree that it's a close call, but I think I'll go the other way. I think I'll go with the Astros. Um, if anything, because I'm not sure the Marlins are even done yet, uh, maybe they might sell one or two of their remaining one or two players. Um, I don't know. I think it will be close. I don't expect the Astros to take a huge step forward or anything, uh, and the change to the AL will not help them. But I think they will pull it off by a couple wins. The Marlins had, I mean, the Astros had eight league average or better hitters last year, mm-hmm. minimum 250 plate appearances. That's eight. That's a ton. And it's a lot. I can't believe it. Um, I think that probably an underrated aspect of this calculus is that the Marlins uh, actually um, didn't just, you know, they they traded a bunch of guys before, you know, uh, in, during the season, in before the trade deadline. And so to say that they were a 69-win team last year, uh, perhaps uh, probably greatly overestimates yes. uh, how good they were after the trade deadline, at which point they had no... Uh, Hanley Ramirez, Anibal Sanchez, Omar Infante, Edward Mujica, or Randy Choate. Um, they went 22 and 47, which is a 318 winning percentage, which over the course of a full season works out to 51 and a half wins, uh, which is actually three and a half wins below uh, what the Astros did. Of course, the Astros traded Carlos Lee and Wandy Rodriguez, mm-hmm. so it's not as though they were standing still. Um, but uh, the Marlins were really horrifyingly bad in the second half, and it is, um, I think, a kind of an underrated quirk of history that the Marlins were a good team. Up, I mean, they were in first place uh, up to a certain point in June. They were, um, one, I think, one game under 500 as recently as like mid-July, and 
Um, so it actually is the case that, you know, if they had had a good week in there, uh, everything could have gone differently and none of this would have happened. And we could be talking right now about uh, Jeffrey Loria, uh, executive, well, I guess he wouldn't be the executive <laughs> no. of the year, but, but we, you know, we could be praising him for how aggressively he is engaged in the, you know, in baseball's economy and how he turned around baseball in, in Florida and, and all that. Yes, um, he wouldn't be being burned in effigy, probably. He wouldn't be being burned in effigy and uh, it was darn close to being a success story so uh, it's just uh, you know big things happen because of kind of small moments in history and the Marlins small moment of history was like July well actually at the all-star break oh no I'm sorry two days before the all-star break they were one game under 500 but now that that moment of history is over uh, they're bad and you are you also picking the Astros for next season um, well, uh, I'm appreciative that James reminded me that the Astros are changing leagues because <laughs> I had forgotten again. <laughs> yes. I don't think we'll really internalize that until we actually see them playing in the AOS, probably. Uh, I mean, the Marlins, I don't know. I, oh gosh. Um, I, yeah, I guess I still think the Marlins are probably a better team. Uh, yeah, I think the Marlins are a better team. So I will, I'll say, I mean, I don't think that the Marlins are really a 318 winning percentage or were during the second half last year. And, 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 um, I mean, obviously they've, they've gotten worse, but I would, I think I would probably rather have that team probably, but boy, I don't even know what that team is. I mean, there's the front office factor. Not that, not that the Marlins front office has done a bad job. I don't think I mean, they've done maybe a very good job coping with the limitations that they've had, but uh, I guess the Astros front office gives you or gives me some confidence that they will take fairly quick steps forward, possibly. Um, well, if they, I mean, if, if I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, not, it's, it's, know, not, it's not obviously 2013 it's not, quick. Yeah, but, that's what we're talking about. It's right. not their goal to be, yes. it's not their goal to win one more, it's not their goal to win even one more game than they have to in, mm-hmm. in 2013, I don't think. Um, and so I don't know. I guess I'm not as uh, up to date on the state of their AAA rosters as I could be, but I don't know. I've changed my mind. I'm going back to the Astros. <laughs> okay. It's going to be close, though, and that is an excellent question. Is Steve Ciszek likely to be traded at this point, do you think? is? Uh, I really don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Gannon's tweeted something about him earlier and how he's going to be good, but I didn't see if he said he was on the block or anything. I would think Ricky Nolasco will be traded. Yeah, um, well, certainly. Or just, I mean, is he under contract? Yes, yes. he is under contract. Um, he's under most of the Marlins' contract for next year. Yeah, I, he's not a non-tender guy, though. He's signed, yeah. is what we're saying, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, we are inconclusive, but I think we're both saying the Astros will win more games in 2013. Yes. All right. Well, that's one down. Mm-hmm. We've answered a question. Um, all right. Uh, friend of the show, Saxon, writes, um, my question is in regards to Yasmani Grandal's 50-game suspension. I'm curious what you guys feel is the time frame for his return after the 50 games. I ask because a similar issue came up during this season in regards to Melky Cabrera. The Giants had the option to bring back Cabrera but chose not to, with Bochi saying something to the effect that Cabrera wouldn't be in form after a lengthy suspension. Um, I think that 
the big difference there is that there were no games that Cabrera could play himself into game shape with. Mm-hmm. I think it is an interesting question, though. I, I mean, um, we talked earlier on this show um, about who was it that did the thing? McFerrin. Yes, there you go. Uh, who looked at um, players who had missed lengthy periods of time due to injury and um, found, surprisingly to both of us, that they actually are considerably worse in their first few games back than they normally would be. Um, and it would be interesting to see, um, to break that down further into guys who were coming back from injury and guys who were not, and also uh, whether the um, whether the length of a rehab stint changes that because some guys uh really speed up the rehab stint and they play two games at um in the california league and then they're back while other guys spend three weeks there really getting into playing shape and i would imagine that's a big difference but i don't really know how well single a ball can mimic major league baseball probably pretty probably pretty well so well i mean so saxon's asking if you are allowed to do that and you are right you can do a, a rehab assignment before you are reinstated and so you can come back having had some uh playing time at least i believe that's the case i don't think that's what he was asking i think well, he wanted he said, to know can suspended ball players technically practice outside of the team during suspension he i i i, I want to clarify he said also comma can suspended ball players which to me says that that question is outside of the first question this is an independent secondary question Uh but it is relevant because if you can't rehab during that 50 games then you have to play some rehab games after the 50 games whereas if he can do the rehab before he's reinstated then uh technically he could come back right after and i would expect him to to come back right after either i guess it would be at the end of may or, or the beginning of june you know he's a he's a catcher, and um, you know most catchers will, especially at his age, would only catch maybe ninety to one hundred and ten games a season anyway. And I wonder whether um, the um, the sort of uh, limitations on a catcher's stamina uh, are are only on the um, like day in day out, like you know you can't catch four games in a row without getting tired or whatever or if it's more about the the seasonal total mm-hmm. and i wonder i wonder if if he could actually cram 90 games into the final 110 and if if that wouldn't actually make any it w- if that would be essentially the same as catching um you know 110 over the course of of a full season if it's if it's really the the cumulative effects of a full season that really affect a catcher and and if it were the case that he could catch almost every day after that you could almost maybe say that a catcher is is like when a pitcher gets suspended uh for you know for it has to be for at least six games before it starts to affect him i wonder if this suspension will not affect grandal and the padres particularly much uh if he can if he's you know if he's if he's lively for the rest of the year well now you have an article topic for next may 30th or so yeah remind me okay all right um okay so uh you wrote i'm gonna find the question while i um murmur things you wrote about chipper jones (laughs) farewell tour and all the gifts that he got uh he did not retweet you i'm sad to say i checked before the show he did just before we came on uh tweet four times about what a crock the um uh official story about the jfk assassination is (laughs) so 
uh, that was interesting. But um, uh, James, friend of the show, asks, uh, I was thinking about Chipper Jones' farewell tour this season with all the retirement gifts bestowed upon him. Who do you think will be the next player to experience this? And uh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder, do you know? I you don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just I'm gonna ask, but you don't know. Uh, do you know if there's any history to this? If this is uh, something that just happens for all great Hall of Famers? Because it, it feels kind of weird to me that um, the Angels did a thing with Jeter when he got his 3,000th hit, and um, when they announced that they were gonna do something, there was quite a lot of protest among fans who thought that it was nuts to honor your opponent <laughs> right as or, i as i was researching the chipper story and looking up all the gifts and everything I, I kept coming across posts on the team blogs for every uh team that he was playing basically protesting the fact that their team was honoring him after he had hit so well against them for so many years it um, does feel weird i mean does he need that i mean who's it for right i mean the crowd isn't into it right. i can't imagine the crowd is into well, it at all with, I, with jeter I'm not sure. you know, with Jeter, they actually did it in the, uh, like they did it in the tunnel underneath the stadium before the game, and then they kind of, kind of quietly flashed a pitch, a picture of him accepting his gift on the scoreboard, and like a, congratulations, Jeter, and it was like one of those really fast, like subliminal messages that you know you yeah. kind of absorbed without realizing it. Well, so I don't Jeter think gets, it is for the fans. Jeter gets booed in opposing parks. I mean, I guess Chipper does too. I don't know. He certainly does in New York. I don't know whether he does elsewhere. But uh, from what I saw, I saw some when they would run scoreboard scoreboard tributes to him. It seemed like the fans were somewhat into that. But no, I don't know if there is any history. I'm sure there's some precedent for it, but I don't recall at least any uh, farewell tour that was quite as obsessively detailed as as Chipper's was. I kind of hope it doesn't happen again because if it does, I'll feel like I need to write another story about it. Um, but I don't know. I looked at at some of the possibilities in the next few years, and it doesn't seem. I guess you kind of need uh, a perfect storm of a player who is really like an inner circle Hall of Fame type, one of the best who has ever played at his position. Uh, who kind of commands the respect of every fan, if not necessarily the, I mean, the affection. But, um, and I guess the fact that Chipper was with one team uh, for so long had something to do with it also probably. And and you need a player who is uh, somewhat well-liked. Do you want to read? Some- you also need to, you also need a player who has announced his retirement yes, in advance, that too. which is, which is a sort of a tricky thing. And you kind of, I don't know if you, if you definitely need this, but you, you kind of need a player who's good enough that his final year isn't sort of embarrassing. Yes. That, that's- uh, mm-hmm. So like, I think that, I think Mariano Rivera is the best candidate. Yeah. Um, I think that, there, well, there are very few players who make it um, this, this long into their career without becoming disliked um you know you're sort of likability is is public likability is kind of like um like defensive ability where the aging curve is like starting around age 22 it's just a straight decline um and uh so i i think that most players there's a sort of tension that fans have with them by the time they're they're in their 30s um but rivera is liked by just about everybody Mm. and uh, he's been, you know, he's 
uh, he's played. I don't know. Maybe he's played in so many World Series as, as well that he's got. He's actually got some pretty deep history with a lot of teams mm-hmm. in both leagues, and so that probably helps a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's likely to announce his retirement in advance. Yeah. Uh, or not, but I think that I, I mean I would I would cheer for him. He's mm-hmm. he's a guy I would cheer for. I think Tommy is a guy who is yes, beloved by everybody. That's who I was going to mention. That was but, my but, top candidate, I guess. But but people don't really see. I think the average fan doesn't see him as an inner circle Hall of Famer. I think the yeah. average fan. And I don't know that uh, he is to the extent that Chipper was, but uh, I mean I certainly think he should be in easily. But um, but yes, you're right. I don't think he has the same perception. I have way more memories of Chipper Jones than I do of Jim Tomey. I love Jim Tomey. He's the greatest thing ever. But honestly, if you like ask me to name my top three Jim Tomey memories, uh, like two of them would involve John Boyce. <laughs> yes. And the third one, and the third one would be Ellen Young reacting to uh, a home run that Jim Tomey that, hit. That would be my top Jim Tomey. That, yeah, that's not exactly <laughs> like like what they're going to put on his Hall of Fame plaque. Like, hit a home run that Delman Young reacted to. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, I don't know that Tommy gets big cheers across baseball the way that, like, maybe Chipper Jones did. Although, I don't know if Chipper Jones did. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Ichiro is kind of a... Um, well, James mentioned a few. He said, if Mariano Rivera comes back next season, he'll probably get the league-wide send-off, and I expect Derek Jeter will... Uh, if he announces his retirement early and he's still a Yankee, I don't know that that the fact that he's still a Yankee necessarily matters. That maybe it does. I don't know. I could see him getting it regardless. But uh, and then he went on. Aside from that, who are the likely suspects? A Rod isn't really liked. Ichiro's departure from the Mariners makes a farewell tour for him somewhat awkward. Pujols will have to achieve great things in Anaheim to merit one from his American League rivals. Had he stayed with the Cardinals, it would have been a no-brainer. Um, I guess I, I generally agree with that. I don't I don't know that it's so much the being with one team. It's probably a factor. Um, well, Griffey went out without this, right? I mean, I don't remember Griffey getting any of this. So Griffey was just so bad by that point, <laughs> as you as you said. That's a consideration too. Um, there will be that. Well, I just googled. Griffey Jr. farewell tour, and the first result is there will be no farewell tour. <laughs> so apparently there was no farewell tour. Okay. <laughs> uh, he just announced he was done. So yeah, that I mean. Well, yeah, he, he retired did, unexpectedly. In, right? Yeah, like in the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, did did Ripken get a farewell tour? Or he must Quinn? have. I think if anyone did. Uh, I don't know if like is Halliday a possibility? I don't know if he has that kind of currency with fans yeah he's not beloved no. he's not he's certainly not disliked but he's just not beloved no. oh fan fans have saluted ripkin at each stop of his uh-huh. farewell tour interesting i wonder if it's too long ago to find out what all the gifts he got were <laughs> uh all right last question i think that we'll do tonight is my very favorite one it is uh from another person named james uh uh, who is also a friend of the show, but is a different James. Uh, and he says, uh, the Angels have said their outfield will be Trumbo, Borges, and Trout next year. 
given that they have two amazing ground covering outfielders, does it make any sense to play Trumbo in center <laughs> and have Borges and Trout play the corners with huge shades toward center field? With a huge shade toward center field, this is the just obviously this is the best idea because because it's totally unconventional and counterintuitive, mm-hmm. and therefore I think it's the best idea. I um, I, I I don't actually think it's a good idea uh for strategic purposes uh because uh the center fielders the ground that the center fielder covers in excess of the other defenders is mostly i think uh, back i think that the reason the center fielder has so much room to cover is because the wall is 50 feet further back and so um it's not really left to right i think where the center fielder's range comes most into play i think it's in and out mm-hmm. and uh trumbo is not the best at going in and he's not the best at going out um i will say though that the um the, sh- the i mean it is the it is the case that what you know if they have trumbo and left Theoretically, they should be able to play uh, Borges, you know, well over into that gap and have Trout play a bit more off the line, knowing that they're going to cover all that ground. But um, I don't know that teams do that as much as as you would think they would. I I remember with uh, when Borges first came up and there was all the topic uh, around the Angels about his range. uh, There was a game that they were playing um, with Borges in center field and. Uh, the next day they had Vernon Wells in center field. And so I set up a camera and I took pictures for every batter to see where the angels were playing mm-hmm. uh, each batter when Borges was in center field and where they were playing each batter when Wells was in center field. Cause I wanted to see if the left fielder and the right fielder played further away from center when Borges was in there, uh, knowing that he could cover as much ground as he does. And they actually didn't play him any differently at all. Hmm. And I didn't really go anywhere with that idea, and so I didn't ever ask the Angels about that. Um, but it seems to me that the sort of impression that I get or my hypothesis about that is that essentially you have your scouting report of where the guys hit the ball, and you're going to play – You're gonna. that's going to dictate the shading. And there's probably not quite as much overlap among players – that um, that it becomes a, a real factor in where you position. Maybe there should be, and maybe there is a little. Maybe there should be more. Um, but I think that mainly the idea is that uh, that you just go to where the ball is going to be, mm-hmm. and so wherever the you think the ball is going to be, that's kind of where you bunch guys a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I generally agree with you, and I hate to say it because I would love to see Trumbo playing center field next season. Oh, imagine his imagine his <laughs> defensive metrics. Especially because if the idea is that he's there because Trout and Borges are going to come over and catch everything, <laughs> right. he could he could actually like he could be a center fielder who catches like 65 balls all year. <laughs> that, that would be the best. His his well, he he could actually challenge his negative 100 UZR at third base. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wonder if there's any park where it would make more sense than others. Well, I'm certainly like during that. the like the MTV Rock and Jock softball game. <laughs> I think he probably covered center field there. Uh huh. Right. Um, I don't know, like a park with a ton of foul territory or just a giant outfield. Maybe it would make more sense, but. Mm. I'm imagining designing the park that would that would fit Trumbo in center field, and it is a very fun-looking park. It, it would just be 
the shallowest in center field. <laughs> it would be like three three twenty to to dead center. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be the shape of like a soup bowl <laughs> right. or something, you know. <laughs> uh, I like that idea a lot. All right, okay. Well, that's our uh, email Wednesday uh, show. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with episode 84 of Effectively Wild, and uh, you have one week. You actually have six days to get in the next round of emails at podcasts at baseballperspectus.com. Podcast, plural or singular? Singular. Singular. Thank you, Ben. All right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay.